Welcome to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. Today's message is Onward Christian Soldiers by Pastor Liz Rod. Father, we thank you. We thank you even for our warped Australian sense of humour, evidently. But what we do is we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your precious son, Jesus Christ, because it is in him that we place our hope. We are strengthened every single day because not only are your mercies new, but we are strengthened by the grace and the powerful name of our Saviour, Jesus Christ, as we move forward into a new year. Lord, I pray that we would see the glass half full rather than the glass half empty. Jesus told us himself, in this world you will have trouble. But he also tells us, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And so, Lord, it is in that assurance that we belong to you and that Jesus is our mighty saviour. He is our commander-in-chief. And today, Lord, I just dedicate everything about this message to you both and give you the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. You know, in my life, there have been plenty of very well-laid plans. I'm one of those people, I don't like to be caught by surprise. And God has taught me many, many lessons because sometimes, you know, I have everything all nicely lined up. My husband does this. I line things up nicely and he comes along and he does that on purpose because he knows it drives me nuts. And so, you know, when my plans are disrupted, just like our our Welsh friend coming here from the UK, you know, um, for a minute, it, it sets us in a bit of a spin. And, you know, there was a time uh, before I was really walking with the Lord that when things went wrong, I had, didn't have a clue. You know, what, how was I going to negotiate it? In my own strength, things were just bigger than Ben Hur. In fact, last night at a, a, the local party that I, I went to, our first street party in our new location, I met a young woman who, for whatever reason, decided probably the three glasses of red wine she had before I sat next to her. But she decided to tell me that her second marriage was failing. And she said, I haven't worked in 13 years. I come from South Australia, uh, not South Australia, South Africa. I have no family here and I just don't know what to do. You know, I don't know my way forward. Well, she and I now have a coffee date this week. And, you know, God is not only bringing people who don't have the assurance of what we do into into our midst, And I don't know where it's going to go, I don't know, but all I know is that I am meant to be a vessel. I always think of us, you know, here's the funnel, and God pours himself through the funnel if it's willing to be open, and we just pour ourselves out wherever he makes the the situation available. So when things uh, come out of the blue, when plans don't go well, we do have to remember that in everything, God will make a way. You know, Christians should not be surprised because as I said when I prayed, Jesus tells us, he warned us, he warned his disciples, in this world you will have trouble. It's a pretty clear statement. And also, as I said to you in our prayer, he gives us a warning, but he also gives us the encouragement, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And that's where we find our peace. You know, the good news of the gospel hasn't changed. It's still the good news of the gospel. God's word is not bound just because things aren't in, in our world aren't the way that we would like them to be. 
You know, we could easily spend all our time bemoaning the fact that 2022's bought masks and more controversy, you know, really discouraging news reports. And, you know, in fact, I don't know why we even bother. And, you know, we've got some similar challenges to what we've had in the last uh, couple of years. But, you know, our strength, our joy and our hope remain in the person of Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus says... And I, I love this little, you know, if, forgive my quirky sense of humour. It is very warped. You know, Australian sense of humour is warped. But, you know, Jesus says, I've got your baggage. Now follow me. You know, I've got it. I've got it. You know, just leave it with me and I will carry all the heavy stuff. But just follow me. Uh, you know, he says, come to me, all you who labour. And a heavy, sorry, all who labour and heavily laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly of heart, and you will find rest in my in, for your souls. You know, when Terry um, very graciously stepped in on the second for me, my message was going to be: What will you carry into 2022, and what should you leave behind? When lo and behold, he decides to clean out his garage. Well, I was really delighted because I thought, well, you know, I obviously wasn't well enough to preach, but it's always very reassuring when you step into the pulpit to know that what God is sharing is what he really wants people to know. So, you know, um, we we do need to be diligent about what we hang on to, about what we we are willing to let God chip away, keep those um, secateurs handy because we're all going to be pruned, I think, in 2022. You know, I can remember when I was a brand-new Christian, um, I was in a church with Pastor Rory Jensen. Now, she's a very plain speaker. Anyone who's ever been there, Laurie, she is very frank. She is very, very Aussie. Um, seemed to be travelling down that Aussie sense of humour today. And one of the messages she, she spoke on that really impacted me was, if you want to be a follower of Christ will learn to get over yourself. And I have shared that with my ladies. And, you know, it's not bad advice. And lots of times I've had to have that conversation with myself. Elizabeth, get over yourself. You know, the other one that she preached on was about baggage. This dear lady, and as I said, anyone who knows her will know that she has got that sort of sense of humour. She came on stage. She had a backpack, front and back. She had a across-the-body handbag. She had luggage, and it wasn't the sort on wheels. It was the sort you had to carry. And she, w- she would intermittently, throughout her sermon, without pausing for breath, she would take some things off and she would put them, she would deposit them, till there was quite, quite a stack, a little bit <laughs> like this, quite a stack over to one side. And then without a word, she'd go back over and she'd start to put it back on. And she just kept walking up and down, the, you know, the platform. And she said, that's what we do. Without even realising, Jesus comes along, he helps us to take away, be pruned or to get rid of our baggage. And before we know it, we go back and pick it up because there's something very comforting about the way that we want to engage, the way we want to do things. I was also very thrilled when uh, Sean last week preached on get out of the kitchen. I'm going to take that to heart. I told my husband... I don't belong in the kitchen anymore because Pastor Sean told me. You know, that means no cooking, 
no, cl- no cleaning up in the kitchen, no having to stock the fridge. I'm delighted. But of course, as we know, it, he was talking about Martha and Mary and about the distractions that sometimes they, we can be doing really good things. We can be doing stuff that's really worthwhile. And my husband thinks me cooking, keeping the fridge stocked and cleaning up after dinner are very good things. But, you know, if it takes us away from the time that we can spend with the Lord... We need to look at our priorities and we looked at, because, you know, we will become very disempowered. It's a bit like not eating or drinking. It doesn't take long for our physical bodies to become depleted. And, you know, if we don't feed our spirit, if we don't have the living water, we don't have that bread of life, if we don't, you know, stay in prayer. And coming to church today, I heard the words of a great song and it says, when I fight, I fight on my knees. The battle belongs to the Lord. And, you know, the thing is, we are unarmed if we don't spend time in prayer. And prayer is not just me telling God what I want. It's giving him time to tell me, uh, excuse me, young lady, I thought we see young, young, young lady, I think there's something that we need to talk about. And then he starts to do the pruning. You know, the uh, psalmist knew what it was to have troubles. He says this, God is our refuge and our strength a very present help in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way. And he goes on to say in verse 10 of that same scripture in Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted amongst the nations. I will be exalted on the earth. Now, I love to do a little bit of digging, as you know. And the Hebrew root for the word still doesn't mean just stand still and be quiet. It actually means to let go of everything and just rely on God. You know, sometimes in our busyness, sometimes when we're distracted, we get caught up, you know, we can even become fearful because we're listening to all the voices that are out there. And like Martha, we can get so distracted by many things, we miss the opportunity to come back and sit at the feet of the Saviour and that's where we become empowered. Uh, you know, in the, in the previous chapters of that same uh, uh, book in Luke, in chapters 9 and 10, just before Jesus visits the house of Martha and Mary, he actually sends out both the group of 12 disciples and 72. And he gives them pretty much the same advice. He wants them to go out clothed in his righteousness and empowered in what he has sowed into them. So he says, take nothing on your journey, no staff, no bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics. Well, that uh, handle would probably suit. Uh, He says to the 72, no money, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. What he's trying to say is he's not telling them to go out with nothing really. He is trying to just say to them, go out in what I have given you, what I have authorised you in. And that's what you and I have. You know, they had a crash training course. They had three years with a man who I'm sure they marvelled at. Um, You know, every day they saw him do amazing things. They heard him teach incredible lessons. They watched the atmosphere as people were drawn to him. But then all of a sudden, here he is, taken away, arrested, beaten, crucified. And, you know, can you imagine, you know, all of a sudden you you think, well, what now? 
They're human beings, you know, they're people that even though God, he has shared with them, he has given them an intensive three years of training. And, you know, I don't think they were cowards, but fear can come upon us all. But it's only when we let that fear rule us that we can forget all about who we are and what we've been given through Jesus. You know, I'm convinced that moving into 2022 that we can learn some really great advice and I'm actually going to still go back to the scripture that I wanted to preach from or the body of scripture that I wanted to preach to you from which came from 2 Timothy. So if you'd like to open your Bibles to 2 Timothy and in particular we're going to look at chapter 2. You know, Timothy was just like the rest of us. You know, Paul was imprisoned. In fact, it was his second imprisonment and this was the one from which he would then be executed. So Paul is writing to this young protege of his, this up-and-coming young man who had been raised in the faith, but, you know, nevertheless, it would have been a bit daunting when the person who is your mentor is, you know, facing a similar death to many people who were followers of Christ. You know, it's a poignant testimony from the Apostle Paul and he describes his life as being poured out like a drink offering at the time of his death. He says, but in verse 5 of chapter 2, he says to Timothy, but you, Timothy, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of the evangelist, and discharge all the, your, all the duties of your ministry. Now, there was no one better than Paul to know all about having to be enduring and to suffer hardship. You know, he was imprisoned, he was beaten, he was stoned, and it's not stoned as in what some of the modern connotations of that might be. Shipwrecked, he, he was often hungry, he was cold, and he was left destitute on many occasions. But this is what he has to say in 2 Timothy 4.7. I have fought the good, and I'm going to give you the amplified here, the good is described as worthy, honourable and noble fight. I have finished the race, I have kept, and in brackets in the amplified it says, firmly held the faith. You know, Paul knew exactly what Timothy was going to be up against. And even though it may seem very discouraging, you know, I think sometimes we think, and, and you know, there are particular types of uh, Christian preachers who will tell you, get saved, get water baptised, and from there on in, it's just glorious. Has anyone ever heard that, you know, that nice fluffy sort of teaching that tells us, you know, you're never going to have another problem, you're never going to have to have any perseverance? Well, the Bible tells us the opposite. You know, in, in spite of all Paul suffered, he did finish the race and he did keep the faith. And he then, you know, has written so many books of the Bible that we now have as a great instruction manual to give us encouragement. In Romans 12, 12, he says, Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and be constant in prayer. Uh, you know, I'm going to give you a different sort of rat test, and this one is free. You know, the R in rat test in this one says, remember where your hope rests. The second one, the A, is align your hearts with the Great Commission. Don't lose sight of what we're called to do. And the last one, the T, is test everything through the filter of the Word of God and not our circumstances or our emotions or our opinions. You know, we can all be opinionated. And, you know, Pastor Rory had a great expression for that. She said, opinions are like wheelie bins. 
everyone that has got one and most of them stink. She was very, very scriptural when she said that. You know, as we begin to read the second letter written to Timothy, it should come as no surprise that Paul is a self-proclaimed bond servant. He's an apostle, and he, but he's a seasoned and embattled warrior. And despite his own circumstances, that's a word I used a lot last year, despite this, despite that, we move on. But despite his circumstances, he still writes and, and he's rallying and trying to encourage his young protege. He remains steadfast, even though he's waiting execution. And most of his friends have abandoned him because they're fearful that they're going to meet the same fate. You know, the first century church and the first century world in which Timothy lived had a lot of distorted values. That You can think about it, there were all these melting pots coming together. You know, the, the Greek gods, the Roman gods, Christianity, Judaism, and people were trying to make sense of what is the right teaching. You know, there were misleading commitments that people were making, people were confused, and there were some pretty dangerous misconceptions. Nothing really has changed, I might add. As a result, the whole Roman world was about to explode with violence. It was a violent time. You know, in the East, there's a Jewish revolt, which would culminate in the armies of Titus taking over Jerusalem for a couple of years. But finally, the temple would be destroyed The Jews would be slaughtered and others would be taken off into captivity. All this was just around the corner. So this was, if you like, the mantle that Timothy was going to inherit. You know, Paul uh, reminds Timothy, and let's start now as we go into scripture. Um, It's entitled in my Bible, I've got an ESV here today, the, the actual chapter is entitled, A Good Soldier of Christ Jesus, Hence Onward Christian Soldiers. And, you know, Paul says to him, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus and what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And then he goes on in verse three to say, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. It's not exactly a warm invitation, is it? You know, someone says to you, well, come and suffer with me. That, that doesn't sound very inviting. You know, as we move through this, uh, we're going to come to a section here in verses 3 to 6 where he gives Timothy three examples, culturally appropriate examples of three different types of people with three different occupations, all of whom require very similar characteristics. He says, uh, no soul, sorry, come back to three, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. He goes on to say, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. He goes on in verse five to say, an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. In verse six, it says, it is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Verse seven, think over what I say for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. And I thought, well, what do these three (coughs) occupations have? in common. Well, you know, a soldier has to be pretty dedicated. He's expected to get out there in hostile conditions. In peacetime, it's probably not too bad, but he's expected every day to be trained, to be ready. He has to be dedicated. He has to be committed to the role he might have to draw upon his knowledge of weapons. He might have to draw upon that resilience and that courage to go and fight the good fight. 
You know, an athlete has to, has to be disciplined. I think that's my problem. I'm not athletic. But, um, you know, they do. I had a friend who was training at one stage. She was marked for the Olympics until a man came into her life and she gave it up. But, you know, I would go to stay at her place and it didn't matter whether it was raining, whether it was freezing weather, no matter what it was, when I woke up, usually, you know, six or seven, Elaine was already in the pool in the valley, in the commercial uh, swimming pool. Her father was her coach and there was never a day went past. And, you know, we loved having her at our school. We won every swimming carnival we ever went to as a high school because she was part of our swimming team. And as I said, she met a young man at, uh, at youth group, of all things, and uh, they ended up getting married. And so the Olympic dream went out the, the window. But Elaine trained every single day. Other schools tried to headhunt her because she was known to be a truly dedicated and disciplined athlete. You know, the farmers, I mean, we only have to look. We know here in Australia, it's a tough gig to be a farmer here. And I don't expect it was any different in um, Paul's time. You know, they have to be really there. You know, I don't think it's a, a nine to five job somehow farming. I've never been a farmer, so I don't know. In fact, I kill most things in my garden. They've got to be very resilient to grow. But, you know, the thing is, you know, farmers... You know, if, if we have a cyclone come through, I'm sure they're out there covering over their crops, trying to protect it, trying to preserve it. And so they were great analogies, even though they were different vocations. They all had to be very single-minded and totally committed to winning whatever the battle was that they were up against. You know, one would go into a battle. The object, of course, is to take the ground to win the battle. The uh, athlete needs to win the race. And the other, the farmer, needs to see the crop come to harvest. You know, single-mindedness is defined as the ability to focus so sharply that you shut out everything when necessary. And, you know, sometimes we have all this, what do they call it, white noise. It's not, it's not hard in our world to be distracted or, you know, to be, even if you're, you know, busy doing something, um, this is why I don't particularly like having the radio on unless it's just music, you know, in the background because I'm one of those people that when I'm, you know, preparing some, for something like this, I need to have head down, bottom up and I don't need distractions. So I love the silence when I'm doing that. You know, we're all going to have to fa- face some sort of hardship. We all have to push through different challenges and they're not always going to be expected. There are some things we know that are coming up and, and so we make our preparations. But there are things that are going to come out of left field and I think the last couple of years have really reinforced that in our lives. You know, everything in life requires endurance. It requires hard work if it's worthwhile. You know, um, career soldiers, athletes and farmers, they're not just weekend warriors. And as I said, my friend, seven days a week, she was in that pool come what may. Farmers don't get to take the weekend off if the weather is a threat to their crop. And soldiers, if they're out there on the front line and the battle's raging, they don't go, oh, excuse me, I want overtime because um, I only work till 4.30 on Fridays. If the battle rages on the weekend, the battle rages. You know, they never lose sight of their goal. They have a firm objective and that, that I believe, is who we need to be. You know, I think when... um, Paul referred to the analogy of of saying to Timothy, you need to be a good soldier. 
he would have known when he was a Pharisee, um, you know, they worked hand in hand with the Roman centurions. He would have looked at the soldiers of his day. And Roman soldiers were tough, they were disciplined, they were very resourceful. They were expected to be able to march 20 miles. Sorry, I should have calculated that in, in metric, shouldn't I? And carry, uh, you know, around 23 kilos on their back if necessary to be able to go wherever the battle was. When they weren't in battle, they were preparing, they were training, they were getting ready and a lot of them were used to build roads and public buildings. They were highly trained, they threw javelins, used swords, they could swim across rivers and moats to get to the enemy, they could climb walls, shoot arrows, ride a horse and operate war machines. They were, if you like, the FBI for Rome. They maintained a controlled peace by enforcing Roman law and soldiers were everywhere throughout the empire. So Paul would have, I dare say, looked at that example and this is what he's saying to Timothy. You need to be tough. You need to be well trained. You need to, even when you're not engaging, you need to be ready. You know, um, when um, Paul says to him, and I've looked at two versions. When Paul says to him in, um, in verse 3 and 4, he says, you know, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. He also goes on to say, and this is the part I think we need to be particularly mindful of in the current circumstances, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Don't let yourself get caught up in media hype Don't let yourself be sidetracked. Keep your eyes on Jesus. That's what we're doing. You know, both soldiers, I I was struck um, amazingly, you know, by the fact that Paul calls himself so often a bondservant, and he's not the only one. James does. uh, Peter refers to himself that way. There are others who were following Jesus who referred to themselves as bondservants. And it's not that different to being enlisted as a soldier. You know, both soldiers and bondservants sign on voluntarily to serve their commanding officer or their master. And in doing that, they give up their rights. They take on a new identity. They now belong to that person. They have a new focus and their mission is to be able to serve their master. And their attitude has to be one, that I'm going to be obedient. But not only that, but they only get what the, the master gives them. Yet all their sustenance, if you like, comes from the master. You know, they, when they sign on, it's a permanent role. If you go AWOL, I believe there are not very nice consequences. You know, in the New Testament... As I said, Paul refers to himself as a servant, an apostle, a bondservant. And his business was all about proclaiming the good news of God's rescue plan for mankind. And those who were going to be servants of Christ dedicated themselves in a similar way. Despite the hardships, they remained dedicated because of the great commission given to them. Let's have a look at verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ, and this, oh, sorry, we go back to seven, I beg your pardon. Uh, in verse seven, uh, Paul's saying to Timothy, think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Sometimes I think in our own understanding, we can get off track. So we're coming back to that place where Paul is actually saying, don't, don't get caught up in other things, just come to the Lord for all your understanding. And he goes on to say, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, offspring of David, as preached in my gospel. 
for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. And there it goes on in 11, which I think is really very, very powerful. The saying is, this saying, I should say, is trustworthy. If we died with him, and we have when we've given our hearts to the Lord, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. Isn't that amazing? And I think one of the songs, actually, the songs we sang today said how faithful he is. And I think that's really important. You know, I've had some soldiers in my family, and I've got to say, I'm rather relieved Mark Patch isn't here today because I'm about to endeavour to tell you what I think a good soldier is. But, you know, both my grandfathers fought in the war. One fought in World War I, one fought and, and two, and one of them was a rat of Tobruk as was my father-in-law. And, you know, not that they spoke too much about it, but that particular battle was particularly difficult. It was 242 days of continual fighting. There were heavy casualties, casualties, sorry, and, you know, the fighting was relentless. Uh, My grandfather later on would uh, be sent back to Palestine. And you know what he did there? He was mending the boots so that the men could go back to the front. Uh, You know, they defended until Rommel actually gave up the siege. And, you know, sometimes we feel like that. We feel like that the battle just goes on and on and on and on. And we feel like we, you know, would like to say medic. Medic, you know, I'm a casualty here. But, you know, the thing is, you know, soldiers are required to remain calm under pressure because once they do that, they actually lose, lose the ability to be able to focus. In, they have to remain honourable and act with integrity. They have to know their mission and be true to it. You know, they have to have confidence and complete trust in their CO. And they have to be ready to follow orders without question or disobedience. You know, I have been with people who have said to me, why does God let this happen? And, you know, sometimes we don't know. We don't know. There were times in my life, you know, when um, my husband, as you know, many of you will know, was diagnosed with cancer and told he might only have a year to live. Well, that was nearly 30 years ago, and I've still got him. (laughs) So, you know, the thing is, but I can remember thinking, you know, it was our second marriage, and I'll tell you what, anyone that tells you a second marriage is easy... Yeah, get rid of them. They're not good advisors. We, you know, we had reached that point. We'd been married for 12 years. We'd somehow managed out of the, to rise up out of the ashes of, you know, two very... We had our baggage, believe me. Talk about leaving baggage behind. We had two children each from very different backgrounds. His would come into our house, you know, every, and we were trying to have a common set of rules, a common, a common uh, you know, sort of way of doing things. And then out of the blue... 12 years into it when we're starting to get some nice equilibrium, talk about plans go awry, we get this diagnosed right on Tony's 40th birthday. The party plans went out the window and we thought, what are we going to do now? Well, I tell you what, God had gone before us. The battle did belong to the Lord. 
I was working in a school where people, unbeknownst to me, were Christians. They never had thrust their faith upon me, but they were different. They were different. Well, all of a sudden, they came to the fore. We had the elders of the church from Rory Jensen's church in our living room coming to pray for us. And we got down on our knees and we gave our hearts to the Lord in the, in the true sense of the word. And from there on in, we handed the battle over to the Lord. We had no idea. You know, we didn't know a lot. In fact, I'd go as far as to say we knew very little. You know, um, the, the little bit of Christianity we'd had infused into our lives certainly wasn't going to sustain us for the battle. But we had a church behind us praying for us and we had enlisted God to come to our aid. And so all of a sudden, the battle had turned. You know, uh, verses 11 to 13, uh, sorry, we've done that, haven't we? I beg your pardon. You know, as, as good soldiers in Christ, we have to be alert. You know, and I think it was Tony's to say, said today, you know, we don't give the devil a lot of power, but he's there and he's persistent and he's irritating and he comes in and he does try to disturb our peace. There's no two ways about it. God gives us peace. Jesus paid for our peace and the enemy comes in and he tries to rob us all the time. So if he can take your peace, we have to be alert. We have to be aware that uh, he is going to set traps for us and we have to be savvy enough to be keep, talk, keep on talking to the one who gives us peace so that we can say to him, I'm not going to take it. I'm not going to hear that. You know, um, in verses 14 to 26, and I'm coming to the end of this now, uh, you know, we have to be workers who are approved by God because we are on mission You know, just like every good soldier, we've been given a mission, the Great Commission. And, you know, there are things that are going to come in. The enemy's great at deception. He's great at causing division. You know, in in Philippians 4.1, you don't need to turn there because I'm only briefly going to touch on this, but this was a perfect example. There were two leaders in the church. uh, uh, Now, the pronunciation could be a little awry here. Euodia and Sintish. I mean, with names like that, you can see why they had problems. But, you know, uh, they, they were in disagreement. This, and, and so Paul comes along to them and, you know, he doesn't say they're wicked. He doesn't say, they're, you know, they're bad leaders or anything like that. He just says, I entreat you both to agree in the Lord. In other words, whatever you're debating over, whatever you're being sidetracked by, don't worry about it. Get your head back on in the game and actually keep your eye on the prize. You know, where we focus is where our power will be. And if you focus on the one who holds all the power, we're going to be a whole lot better off. You know, we come in all different shapes and sizes. We've all got different stories. We've all got different experiences. But the one thing the enemy will try to do, and I think this is one of the, the traps he sets for us, is be careful of strife. He will come in and he will try to cause division. Even in the best of families, he will try to cause division. And it says in here, uh, if we come through, I'm taking this now from the Amplified, it says avoid trivial disagreements or petty controversies. You know, that, that is really important. You know, weigh it up. In the scheme of eternal perspective, does it really matter? Before we get our proverbial knickers in a knot, I'm going to be a little bit 
They're a little bit um, plain spoken here. But, you know, if we are wounding one another, what a lousy testimony that is for the people out there. We, you know, unity is what wins battles. Good soldiers, uh, yes, you're, you're fighting for your own life, but, you, you know, how many movies do you see where we leave no one behind? I think it might be the Marines who have a big thing on that. We don't leave anyone behind. When I was working many years ago, um, when I was a student teacher, I worked at the Pizza Hut and we had a new manager, a New Zealand guy, and he came in and he had quite a distinct limp. And he said, I said to him, oh, I said, well, you're in an accident. He would be in the Vietnam War and he said, this is courtesy of an Australian bullet. It was friendly fire. So, you know, as I said, you know, we can be left with a limp. We have to be careful not to let those things come in. And so I'm going to take you down very quickly uh, here. Verse 14, a worker approved by God. Remind them of these things. This is his instructions to Timothy and charge them before God not to worry about words which do no good, but only ruins the hearers. In other words, the people out there are watching. You know, even our kids, we can talk till we're blue in the face and say, don't do this, don't do that. Say please, say thank you. But if we don't do it ourselves, they're going to say. So, you know, as I said, be careful not to get caught up in things that are just not worth arguing. They're undermining, they're unedifying. And, you know, if we want to pursue pursue what is right, we need to not let those things be part of who we are. He goes on in verse 22. Oh, sorry, I'm going to, we'll come back to 20, actually. I was going to skip over it for the sake of time. Uh, but this is very important. Um, you know, it says that, um, you know, there's, dis- there's some uh, misconceptions out there, some wrong teaching, etc., etc. But verse 19 says, but God's firm foundation stands. In other words, anything else, don't worry about it. Unless it's God's firm foundation, you don't want it. Uh, you know, bearing this seal, the Lord knows who are his. And let everybody who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. He goes on to talk about you know, the differences that are in us. Now, in the great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, so they're the flashy ones, but also of wood and clay, some for honourable use and some for dishonourable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonourable, he will be a vessel for honourable use set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house and ready for every good work. And so because Timothy's young, he's giving him some fatherly advice in verse 22. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels or strife. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everybody, able to teach, patiently enduring evil and correcting his opponents with gentleness. God perhaps, sorry, God may perhaps then grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. Now, you know, I'm just going to do a very quick summary and very, very quickly, and then I want us to have a little bit of head down time and some reflection. 
you know, um, hardship, discipline, taking orders, living in a, a very different life is the role of a soldier. No good soldier goes to war surrounded by comfort and luxury. It, quite often they sleep on the ground and eat all sorts of rations which we would find very unpalatable. Soldiers see and experience some unpleasant things. It's not a safe activity. And I was once told when I first came into the ministry, don't expect to be on the front line and not get shot at. Again, very encouraging. You know, similarly, Christians, we really can't expect to always have an easy time. If we're loyal to the gospel, we will get some opposition. You know, the party that we went down to last night, my husband, these people meet two or three times in the street. And it is a lovely little community, I've got to say. But he went down and and I was at church and uh, uh, on the Sunday night and they said, oh, you know, where's your wife? And he said, at church. And they said, oh, what does she do? Oh, she's a pastor. Oh, we haven't got any time for religion. Can you you imagine how warm it felt going down there last night for the first time for this birthday party? So, you know, we sometimes are stepping into hostile territory. We haven't done anything, but whatever. But, you know, as I said, our job is to treat people with the same compassion. You know, Jesus didn't go in guns blazing, telling them what they're doing wrong. He went in and he won them over through his love and compassion. But being a soldier is not just about suffering and hardship. It's about how we remain dedicated and unwavering. And, you know, where a soldier enlists, it's a paid job. For us, we are compelled by love. You know, the one who came and gave his life for me, I want to serve him now. I want to be grateful and thankful and I want to live a life that pleases him. When I, you know, when I look at God and his patience and in pursuing me, you know, I was in my 30s before I became a proper Christian, shall we say. You know, I, I knew a little bit about it. I had been to Sunday school, been to youth group, but I hadn't really made that heartfelt commitment. But I tell you what, when he came to our aid in our time of need, our time of uncertainty, from that moment on, he had my heart. And so it wasn't about a commanding officer or even a master. It, was, it came out of a desire to give back to the one who had given everything to me. He gave us a second chance at life. And so every single day I wake up and I know those mercies are new and I know that every single day that my heavenly father has my best interest at heart and why wouldn't I want to please him? You know, Philippians 3:13 to 14, we, we quote this very often. It says, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You know, that, that's what all we are required to do. Just keep pushing through. You know, I was never a great runner like Pastor Terry. I know he was an athlete. In fact, I did everything I could to dodge um, sports day. I was a great um, spectator. But if I could get my mother to write a note to excuse me, hey, I was out of there. I had the the uh, the, the house T-shirt, but apart from that, I was the cheer squad, let me put it that way. I was not a good runner. But I know what it's like to persevere. I know what it's like when things get tough to keep opening my eyes the next morning and say, all right, God, and I know what it's like to do it with him 
and I know what it's like to do it without him. And I tell you what, it is a whole lot better going forward knowing he has gone before me. So, you know, as I said, you know, I'm not a weekend warrior. You know, this this is my life. This is what I do every single day, every day. I go into my office in the early hours of the morning when the household is lovely and quiet and I spend time with the one who loves me so much that he gave his life that I might now have the life that I've got and the life I have to get go forward to. Now, I just want to share one, just so, and then, then this will be the very end, I promise. The trouble is God gives you so much. You know, Timothy, you know, he had a, he had a tough job ahead of him. And, you know, we, we might be looking at this year and thinking, oh, another tough year. But this, this is something that comes back to what Rory Jensen told me, to get, get the focus off myself. And John MacArthur says this, the more you focus on yourself, the more distracted you will be from the proper path. The more you know him and commune with him, the more the spirit will make you like him. The more you are like him, the better you will understand his utter sufficiency for all of life's difficulties. And that is the only way to real satisfaction. So I want to say to you, you know, everyone's different. You know, what's a big deal to me? What's a mountain for me to climb is probably different to the one sitting. You know, we've all got scars. We've all got, you know, things from our battles. Um, You know, we've all, all felt sometimes like I can't put another foot forward. But I want to say to you all, what do you need to leave behind? You know, like Terry, he went through his garage and I, I was very grateful for that confirmation, if you like, that we're all on the same path for this year. Uh, you know, he went through his garage. There are things, you know, that we shouldn't throw away, things that are valuable, things that we need to hang on to, things that we need to hold in our heart because they're really precious. Like I look at my experiences of how God has helped me over the years to stay strong when I didn't have any strength to be able to keep pushing through. I'm not going to throw that away. That would be crazy. But there are things that really are trivial. There are things that don't matter. They're accessories. They're trivia. And so some of those things, you know, maybe that maybe they have been a big deal to you in the past. Maybe it's been something. But I've got to tell you, if it weighs you down, throw it away. If it stops you from being able to keep on keeping on, if it stops you from being able to fight the good fight of faith, you don't need it. You don't need it. You don't want it. You know, if you think of, you know, when we went to Tasmania, my husband had to have one of the ball and chain. I think he was trying to be, you know, tell me something. But anyway, uh, we still have it. But, you know, as I said, can you imagine going through and trying to run with that around your ankle? let alone another one on the other ankle. You know, if it's going to hold you back this year, get rid of it. That would be. So let's just bow ahead for just a moment, if you will. And as always, the altar is open for prayer. If you feel you need some encouragement, you need need a little bit of prayer to be able to help you to, uh, uh, you know, or just sit in your chair and just reflect quietly on what it is that God might be going to prune And he might need a heavier set of um, secretaries than the ones Rob's got if it's a ball and chain. And let's just pray as we go. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your endless and relentless pursuit of each of us. 
Every one of us has had a different journey. Every one of us has overcome some amazing obstacles because we have that precious son of yours in our lives. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you that your name is the name above every other name, that you are the one who holds all authority and all power in your hands. So today we come and we need to be reminded, and I think it was Tozer that said, and I'm paraphrasing, uh, you know, there. no matter what our circumstances are, Lord, we know that you have not surrendered your sovereignty. And so we rest in that peace. Lord, our joy comes from knowing that our the joy of our... Sorry, this, the joy... I'll get it out now. Someone help me. Someone help me. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Sorry, I'm tripping over my own tongue. And Lord, we thank you. That we thank you that our joy doesn't come from the circumstances of today, tomorrow, last week, or even those that are way ahead that we don't know about. Our joy comes from belonging to you. And so as we leave this place today, Lord, we thank you that we would be unified. We would encourage one another. We would uplift one another. And if somebody is wounded, Lord, let us be the stretcher bearers that carries that person into that safe place. Let us be people of faith, people who are dedicated, determined and courageous. Just like Joshua, when he was sent in to uh, take the promised land, Lord, we just need to remember your words to him. And he was told, fear not, fear not. And so, Lord, we thank you that our courage comes from you. And I pray that every person here today would go away strengthened by the grace and the empowerment that is only to be found in the person of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Rock Christian Church podcast. To be notified when the next episode is available, subscribe on our website at therock.org.au. You can also connect with us on Facebook at The Rock Christian Church. We hope you have been blessed today and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.